When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, almost uh, ready for Wisconsin. Good news from Mickey Joseph today. If you're a Nebraska football fan and the quarterback situation, we'll dive a little bit deeper into whiskey uh, with a little ice and uh, can join us today. Numbers to dial up at 46637. 7646637768825 can email the show chris at hailvarsity.com and different ways to watch today as we're live on the stream yard ESPN Lincoln ESPN Facebook is uh, where you go to watch also the Hail Varsity Radio Twitter handle at hvarsity Radio can watch the show that way. It'll be posted later on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. And, of course, uh, podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. We appreciate you subscribing there. So Nebraska, Wisconsin on our mind. Uh, Big Sue landing in Philly. One of the teams I just can't stand. But, man, they're impressive. We'll get there. And uh, we'll spend time with Brandon Vogel from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine in about 20 minutes. Get his uh, I-80 preview on Nebraska, Wisconsin. Some thoughts from Trev last night. What did the AD have to say? What's the latest on the coaching search? Uh, Also in hour two, Jeremiah Searles will join us in one hour. Thoughts on Nebraska, Wisconsin and the coaching situation. And then Gary Barnett uh, will pick his brain on some of the candidates that exist. The Nebraska job uh, is, is Wisconsin a sure thing to go with Jim Leonard and uh, then Danny Burke will have some NFL and college picks for you. Some insight on that 10.5-point line Nebraska's getting at home on Saturday. Did you blow away getting into town? Elijah, how you doing? I'm doing well. I've had myself a very productive day. I've been going around town for about the past week without a headlight on my car, so I was able to finally get that replaced. And uh, Well, the, the, the big problem was was I was struggling to find a headlight lamp that was halogen. Everyone's moving to LED. Right. And I only had one headlight out. I'm like, well, I don't want to have one halogen, one LED. <laughs> and I honestly think the halogen... Sounded like uh, Johnny Cash's one piece at a time Cadillac there. Different parts from different years. Yeah, but you don't want that. You don't want that at all. And I also didn't want to go take the time to replace two headlights when I have one that's still working perfectly fine. So I, I was on an 
Uh, just a, a real a mission. I was going to call it a, a wild goose chase looking for this halogen bulb, but I finally found one. I found a halogen bulb and installed that back in my car today. So no more tickets did, for Elijah. Did you buy a, a second halogen bulb for when the uh, the other one goes out? I did, actually. Did you? Yeah, I bought two. <laughs> Planning ahead. Wonderful well, work. Well, it's funny because uh, I actually did. Well, I, I shouldn't say I. Um, a police officer did pull over my car while my roommate was driving because mm-hmm. the headlight was out. And I was like... Man, I'm not driving the car. That ticket's not my problem. You shouldn't have taken the car that didn't have a headlight, man. Mm, yeah. Uh, maybe I was parked behind you in the driveway, but like I would have moved my car for mm-hmm. you. So yeah. no, uh, uh, avoid uh, <laughs> unpleasant uh, conversations and, and fines at all costs. But it's not going to be a problem moving forward. I got it fixed. Uh, Husker basketball, they get rocking uh, shortly uh, at uh, St. John's. So we'll see if Fred and the crew can keep this uh, this start. Hole as they're two and zero, trying to move to three and zero. I think uh, Nebraska dogged at St. John's by nine and a half points or so. So that'll be interesting. FS1 has that ball game for you around five thirty. So let's hear from Trev a little bit from Trev last night. Uh, the coaching search update as uh, he sat down with the network and it was uh, top of mind for. Uh, all 1.9 million walk-on fans here, right? You are wondering where things are at. No, no answer, but a little bit of an update from Trev Alberts. You know, first of all, I, I would like to just say, um, you know, I know that it's a bit challenging for our fans and, and for others. As I said earlier, you know, when you make a change three weeks into a season, I knew when we did that that it was going to be hard. You know, we have a lot of interest here, and people are just really interested, which I think is wonderful. But but things are going well. We're, 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 uh, we're where we had hoped to be and uh, um, confident as we move forward. Obviously, we don't have anything to announce here tonight, um, but, um, you know, just really pleased with the process, really pleased with the amount of data and the amount of work uh, that we've been able to do and and looking forward to to the day when we can. I understand it's hard sometimes to say just be a little bit patient, uh, um, you know, but um, we'll have to be there as a fan base. But I, I do appreciate our fans giving us the space to to do what we said we would do. We were going to dive into a deep um, process, a detail-oriented process, and uh, I think we've made very good progress. So the reality is this. There's pros, there's cons, and then what's what's sellable, right? And Nebraska's a job on its face, based on its history, that you'd think folks would be lined up to come do. The reality is this. It's going to take a special coach, and it takes special research into fit. And that's one thing that Trev Alberts has dove into. Uh, when you look at some of the names he's reached out to, uh, word is it's Saban, it's Dabo, it's some of the who's who, and he wants feedback. Some of the other eyes and ears in the college football world because of Trev's connection through his broadcast work. And you need to, to be real about what Nebraska is versus what it used to be. The expectations and the double-edged sword uh, th- that is the fan base. And, and what I think Trev has and, and is in that chair is, is a bit refreshing. He, he's the first to say, and he's said many times this year uh, on his radio show setting, that you know, you're not what you used to be. And that's not a knock. That's not putting a, 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 a lock on where you can go. But it's not 
the job is for whoever comes in is to get Nebraska back to contention. Nebraska is a brand. The people are going to watch Nebraska. Nebraska is going to be known by grandmas and grandpas and, and dads and uncles, but maybe not as much as the 18 to 22-year-olds. What they know about Nebraska is, well, it didn't work out for Frost. Well, they haven't been in the bowl game. Man, they're going 3-9 and nine or 4-8 and eight a lot. It's not a winning spot anymore. And while they're not getting embarrassed, per se, week in, week out on TV, that eyeballs are watching, they're not winning. Right now, Trev knows that it's not a winning football program, and it's going to take a special dude and staff to come in here and and do it the way that is going to get you back to bowl eligibility and winning seven, eight, nine games uh, in the conference. As this conference is about to change again, it's going to change, and it's going to be California, and it's going to be how well do you adapt so if you draw wisconsin iowa minnesota can you play phone booth football and still be good enough athletically to go win and play in space against sc ucla ohio state penn state you've got to be diverse you've got to be able to stop the run and run the football but you got to have enough dudes and athletes like a trey palmer to in space win those matchups. You look at Nebraska's wins this year, it was four-star, five-star difference-making skill uh, that, that, that gave you the big play, that got you the win, that kept you in a shootout against Purdue. So, Elijah, that's, that's the task. Can you be good, good enough at all things from a physicality standpoint, a development standpoint, and also a national recruiting standpoint to go get and sprinkle in those difference makers that are going to win you some one-on-one matchups. Well, it's the the name of the game, not just college football, but sports in general. Adapt or die. And Nebraska, when you look at it, if you go back as far as uh, the late 1990s, Nebraska hasn't adapted to the the changing landscape of college football just enough. They still had skilled guys. They were still tougher than you. And they had a guy like Eric Crouch 21 years ago. Mm -hmm. But then since then, especially when you look at the move to the Big Ten, has there been an adaptation to the Big Ten? You've tried, but you've failed. Guys like Mike Riley, guys like Scott Frost, the system and the recruiting they brought in did not work with the Big Ten. And what has happened in Nebraska, they didn't adapt right and they have died. And now that the question is, can you bring in a guy who can use some of those those traditions, some of those uh, just legacies of what was left behind by the coaches before you? I think back to Osborne and Devaney. Some of those traditions that have been left behind, can you use those and can you adapt with how college football has changed and make a, a modern Nebraska program that can find success? Because if you can, if, if you're not adapting to A, what college football is right now, and, and B, how different it is in the Big Ten right now as compared to the Big 12 in the 1990s, you're going to die. You need to find that that guy who's going to be able to take the best of both worlds and bring it all together into a finished product. And, and the, the thing when it comes to lineage and legacy is, has been the fan base, the support, the only show in town. And, and that gives you an advantage with NIL. That gives you an advantage with collectives. That gives you advantage with all sorts of resources and support from buildings to finances that is it is it is uh, there's a lot of rich programs out there there's a lot of you know uh, boosters that that are friends of the program all that stuff exists not just at Nebraska but it is uh, really special in Lincoln and around the state in Omaha western part of the I mean you'll you'll have that ability to tap in 
and be competitive or if not competitive difference making for uh, a, a pitch to a student athlete and Nebraska will will sell itself in that aspect. You just got to have the right guy with the right plan uh, that that gets and fits. Because you know when you did transition initially into the Big Ten, you weren't winning all the time, but you were you were right there. You were competitive, and you went to a Big Ten championship game ten years ago. Ironically, the last time you beat Wisconsin in 2012, and you did it uh, because you were physical, but you were also uh, just unbelievably skilled with a Kenny Bell, with an Amir, with uh, with Taylor Martinez. I mean, just think think of all the big plays against some really good, tough physical defenses where you're putting up 35, 40 points against Ohio State, against Michigan State. Again, you didn't put that up against Wisconsin too often, but you scored enough in, in your one win in 2012 to uh, – to hang on, so but but look at where Nebraska still did struggle in those seasons. They struggled against those teams that played November football, like Big Ten teams do. I'm talking the Wisconsin's of the world, even Northwestern back then under Pat Fitzgerald. They played it in that traditional Big Ten style: the we're going to out physical you, we're, we're going to out muscle you, we're going to run the ball down your throat, and we're going to ask what can you do about it. Those are the teams Nebraska struggled with, even even later in Bo's tenure when when Iowa was starting to come into their. Mm-hmm. I guess, glory years of Kirk Ferentz, that, that 2012 to 2020, mm-hmm. where Iowa was really phenomenal, and that's what they did really well, too. Well, I mean, you, you, were, you weren't losing. You were beating Iowa more times than not. Uh, you were splitting with Minnesota. You weren't beating Wisconsin. Your record against Ohio State wasn't good. You were unbeaten against Penn State. Mm-hmm. So you were, I would say, seven out of ten times you were winning ball games in Big Ten play that kept you in contention where it still mattered in November. More from Trev Alberts here on what he's looking for. One thing we can control is we can control how physical we practice, how we play. We can control how we practice. We can control, you know, line of scrimmage and creating that type of culture of physicality and toughness. And uh, ultimately, in a game like football, that type of thing leads to the outcomes that we all desire. So I think that Coach Osborne just had a very strategic, um, you know, process about him. A lot of common sense based on the realities of where we were located, and he found a way to be successful and I don't disagree with you that those core fundamental things that defined us are things that need to define us even today and that'll be certainly one of our goals as we move forward qualities that the Trev was talking about just win football Alabama is skilled but when they're winning championships they're better than you on the lines of scrimmage they stop the run they get after the quarterback Clemson Ohio State and uh, it's it's interesting to see what the end of this marathon turns out to be. Who's going to cross the finish line and lead Nebraska moving forward? Because it's an absolutely critical hire. Because you've it, it's it's been two decades of a turnstile, and and now what was supposed to fix it blew it up even worse. And now can you come in and, and find the guy to to not only rebuild but then. Uh, get it back to where you're you're going to be in a ironically divisionless league 
and you're going to have to be able to beat everybody so you can finish in that top three. And to, un, to I guess to, to tie together those two cuts we just heard from Trev and to kind of read in between the lines, he's saying we're looking for a guy that can understand the realities of, of where Nebraska is located and find a system that works for Nebraska like Tom Osborne did. We're going to marry those two things together, take some influences from Tom, and adapt it to the modern college football. We're looking for a guy that can do that. And based on what we heard in the first cut from Trev, it's where we want to be in that process. And from an outsider's perspective, where I'd expect that you'd want to be with two games left, a week and a half left in the season, is you got a couple candidates, you're in the negotiation process, we're going to try to figure out which guy, we have a couple guys that we think can do this, we're going to figure out which guy makes the most sense for Nebraska, not only economically, but you know, where they're at in their career uh, in terms of their, their coaching career mm-hmm. and, and, and what stop next makes the most next sense for them. Well, and the, the, the hardest part here was the identification. It's easy to go find four or five names, mm-hmm. but, but then can you whittle down even further and see if there's any interest? And we, we honestly don't know if there's an offer out there, but yeah. The way Trev made it sound is is like, okay, the, the identification part's done. Mm-hmm. Let's go get a yes or a no. Yep. Right? And, and that's where we sit. And we'll that's spe- where some of that smoke around rule makes me think that Nebraska's in that negotiation process now. Could be. Brandon Vogel, going to be with us. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Coming up here about 30 minutes, uh, Jeremiah Searles, Gary Barnett. We say hi to managing editor with Hail Varsity.com and magazine, Brandon Vogel. And he is uh, hunkered down in his football office someday. And I got to get books like like Vogue's has so I can have this backdrop. I mean, it's Schefter right now is like, damn, I want I want a backdrop like Vogel has. Brandon Vogel, uh, his book, of course, with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogue's where on your bookshelf is Dream Like a Champion? Uh, I'm trying to figure out the camera that right there. You need to just like right kind of, you need to have that behind your right shoulder. Like it's a graphic. <laughs> yeah, it might, it might be a little too much. Well, well, let's, let's try it for this segment. Let, let's, let's do this free shout out Thursday. Um, yeah. let's see. <laughs> hold that thing. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> now you're oh, blocking. No, that's right behind me. Well, yeah. no, we gotta go. Okay. Move it over here. There we go. Brandon, okay. what, what you got to do is you got to find the shirt that you were wearing whenever you sent that thing off to the press and get it framed along with a copy and have it hanging in the rafters of your office, like a maybe a sign of your own shirt of when you sent that thing off to the to the press. I think that'd be pretty good. Uh, yeah. Uh, man, I, I don't remember off the top of my head what shirt I was wearing, but I remember distinctly that night. It was a Friday. It was January 6th, 2017. 
Um, <laughs> that was the due date <laughs> and I had hoped to send it off in the morning. And like, I just kept like tinkering. I mean, the whole thing was obviously basically written at that point, mm-hmm. but kept tinkering and tinkering and tinkering. There wasn't a chapter to finish. You're telling us <laughs> <laughs> until like t- it got to 10 PM. I was like, I'm going to send this thing before midnight. I'm technically going to hit deadline. Like everyone at the university of Nebraska press left the office like hours and hours ago. Nobody was like, where is this? Where is this? Um, so yeah, it was kind of a lonely, lonely uh, moment where I was like, "All right, I just we just got to send this. It's time." Well, also next to the uh, "Dream Like a Champion" book, all the uh, Hail Varsity yearbooks that are that are must read for you and subscribe hailvarsity.com. Vogues, uh, we're going to split this up into um, you know your reaction to Trev, and then we will get some I eighty preview from you. Of course, your podcast will drop on Nebraska Wisconsin, uh, previewing the matchup Saturday. But what was your read into Trev last night with uh, with his update? Yeah, I mean, I guess you kind of got to just uh, take him at his word at this point. I mean, I think you know there's nothing that said that the Nebraska is off track in terms of the timeline we all think needs to happen here which is you want to have somebody ready to go by the time that transfer portal opens, much less to, you know, secure existing commitments, find some new ones ahead of that, um, ahead of that early signing period in late December. And of course, you know, that's presuming we've got an outside coach coming in here. It's a little bit different if if Mickey Joseph ends up being the pick, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll find out, um, you know, how much interest there there was in this. Well, find out to a degree how much interest there was in this Nebraska job. And I think that's kind of, for me, the big kind of question out there. And, and nobody knows except for Trev Alberts and those people involved in the various committees, the, the, the firm that they brought in to, to help uh, Nebraska land on, a, land on a list of candidates. Uh, Trev says interest was good, so... I'll take him at his word for now. And, and Brendan, you say you're taking Trev at face value, but I want to get your take on, on Mickey Joseph because reading in between the lines on Trev last night, I definitely got the feel that Mickey is not the guy for, for Trev moving forward. And he never came out and outright said that, but did you get the same feel as me in that, you know what, Mickey, thanks for your service. We appreciate you, but, but you're not the guy moving forward. Yeah, I, I did. And I think when Nebraska began the search or, technically could begin this search, uh, you know, after Frost was fired November or September 11th. Um, and, and Trev said at his opening press conference, you know, Mickey Joseph would have a chance and would be considered for the job. It seemed unlikely then, you know, as Nebraska went through those first three, four games under Joseph, like, I, th- I mean, I, I, I was writing a weekly column on it. Like I literally thought his chances of getting the job were going up. That said, you look at this now, uh, Nebraska's got two tough games left this season. It's not going to a bowl. Uh, it's going to be – it's an underdog this week. It'll be an underdog next week. Um, so you're looking at the potential of a, a two-and-seven finish. And I don't, I don't put much blame, if any at all, on, on Mickey Joseph for that. It's just really, really tough circumstances. But if you're Trev Alberts, you got to think about, okay, does that context change the reaction to this hire? And I know like he's, he has said, and I believe him with this, there's no like face value with this. Like I, I believe this is true. Like he's not that worried about kind of the, the PR around the hire. Like 
he's going to do his best to find the person he thinks is best for the job. Um, that said, you just kind of look at how things have gone of late. Um, I, I know Mickey has a broad, broad support in Nebraska still. Um, and I think he should. And I think it is entirely real, realistic to hope that he's involved in some fashion going forward, because I really, really think he's an asset. Um, that said, for the head coaching spot, I think it's becoming a little bit of a tougher sell. And through nothing that Mickey or even the team themselves have necessarily done, they've just come up a little bit short against a, a tough November slate. Brandon Vogel with us from Hale Varsity. Vogues, when it comes to, to fit, do you have a, an offense in mind that will work, should work, or is a stretch to work? I think something that is pass first. And I mean, you can be pass first selectively. I, I mean, I think that's the dream of, of being able to to go multiple ways, of not being like, well, this is what we believe in. This is what we do. And if, if what we do is throw down the field and try to throw the ball, say, 55, 60% of the time, like you're just going to run into these. And, and I'm somebody who was like never a big believer in this. I was like, just run what you want to run and make sure you can execute it at the highest level. But <clears throat> this November in particular, you know, you just look at it and this Wisconsin game, I think is a good example. And if we, you know, there's reason to believe now based on what Mickey Joseph said that Casey Thompson's going to play. And I think it opens up kind of a, a path here for Nebraska, because if you're going to move the ball on this Wisconsin defense, the best way to do that is through the air. That said, it's going to be like 20 degrees with 20 mile per hour winds on Saturday, it looks like. And, and what do you do then? And I mean, you can go all the way back to Tom Osborne talking about, you know, kind of realizing that a, a rushing yard is worth more than a passing yard um, and, and realizing you would need that. In, in the state of Nebraska. And it took a long time for me to come around to that, but that might just be reality. So I think in terms of good fit, in terms of system, like those, those coaches and coordinators that are out there running a dynamic run game uh, probably would get a little boost if it were me making this hire. Absolutely agree. And you got to be able to throw it and, and have that, arsenal available have those skill guys those one-on-one winners on the roster but it's not plan a but well but the push comes to shove you got to be able to run it when they know you're going to run it mm-hmm. in this league and f- the one thing that's like incredible about nebraska's glory run they still ran the option but their defense was built to stop the uh, the three back the three wide one back yet they still rocked you if you tried to line up and go smash mouth on them. They were that diverse defensively, right? Where, uh, okay, three wide and, and, and a one back, uh, being O'Brien, Washington, that's, the, that's like the glowing image in my mind. Nebraska could do whatever they wanted because of the defense was, was adaptable. Uh, so it is uh, a great idea to be able to, to want to throw it and, and be different and – stress defenses that way but in this league in this weather uh to me it just means you've got to be able to uh to lean on it and be good at it yeah you you absolutely do and and, you know and no matter what you 
you try you try to run like if it's heavily one way or the other you're always going to run into you know limitations at some point i mean we can think back to nebraska's you know nebraska of the 90s and until you got to the, the national championship run you know the book on nebraska was like okay they've chosen to to run this offense that helps them you know win games in november in the cold but you get you go down to a bowl game, you get matched up against Florida State, Miami, you fall behind, and you're in trouble. So, I mean, you're always going to run into that. And those Osborne offenses, by the time we got to 94, 95, 96, 97, were really, really multiple. Like you mentioned, you know, they would do single back stuff. Like, there's no doubt in my mind if Tom Osborne was coaching in 2015, like he would have been at the forefront of some of the, like, spread things that are just de rigueur now. Um, but... That adaptability piece is key of it. It's something that I really like about, you know, a candidate like Lance Leipold, if he is a candidate for Nebraska, in that, you know, not only is what he's done at Kansas been really, really impressive this year, but he had a Buffalo team that led the nation in rushing. Kansas is in the top 10 in rushing right now. Some of his Buffalo teams also, when they had really great receivers, were some of the top passing teams. So it's really like going where your personnel tells you you should go, I think is the best place to be. Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, let's shift gears, talk some Nebraska-Wisconsin. And I'm going to leave you an open-ended question here to start. Nebraska finds success on Saturday if? If it can stop some runs within the first three yards of the line of scrimmage. And by doing that, I think you can force those Wisconsin pass attempts up. It's going to be hard because of the weather, I think. Like, even if you might be in a in a passing down in perfect weather, like the weather, you know, we'll see what it's like, but might be cold, blustery enough that it's just like, well, we're just going to run it again because we're not going to we're not going to risk this and it's just going to be a rock fight. And that, that would be a problem for, for Nebraska. I, you know, this Wisconsin team, five and five, going through, you know, some of its own things, but it's still better equipped to to win a rock fight. So I think despite the fact that all three of the Big Ten's current top three rushers the last three weeks uh, have, you know, gotten their yards, gone over 100, gotten their touchdowns, I really think Nebraska did a decent job well, number four in the Big Ten in rushing, Braylon Allen, who's come to town this week, and limiting him in the way that – or containing him at least, like being like, you're going to get your yards, we're fine with that. The way they did a Blake Corum or a Chase Brown would be good. I think for Nebraska to win this, they've, they've got to stop some of those runs um, and, and force Wisconsin into passing situations. Graham Mertz is a starter. He's one of nine when he attempts 25 or more passes. So there's your stat. You got to find a way to get them. Vogue's five minutes on the other side. Are you good with that? Yep. There he is, Brandon Vogel. Hail Varsity continues on a Thursday. We're presented by Currency. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. A couple more minutes with Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity, Wisconsin, Nebraska, the Husker coaching search. So, Vogue's assuming you're, you're in this holding pattern of waiting for a yes or a no from a guy with uh, cutoff hoodies and, and a sweet beard. Um, who's, who's 1A? And, and, the, and the name Munkin has come up, too. 
because he he wins and he's got a system. And while Trev's not worried about the PR side of things, you're going to have, I think, a, a section go, well, if you go with Munkin, why not just let Mickey keep learning on the job and give it to him? Yeah, fair question. I mean, I think so. We've heard a lot of buzz around rule, Matt Rule of, of late. I, I do think that there's there's probably some interest there on Nebraska's part. I mean, it's hard to imagine there wouldn't be interest from any of the Power Five programs that currently have an opening. One um, <clears throat> A would be back to back to the big 12 grab bag, so to speak. And, and not that I mean that don't mean, not that I mean that there's probably not a favorite candidate there. I think there probably is. I think Lance Leipold's time in the state of Nebraska probably gives him a leg up over some of the other candidates there, but you've got a handful of people, people we've all talked about mm-hmm. at various times that I think would be, pretty good hires i'm assuming that's option 1a or option b so the big uh, so the entire big 12 is is 1a okay <laughs> well i mean I'm, I'm still at a point although it looks now <laughs> when i made this joke like five weeks ago it was just whoever wins the big 12 is is nebraska's head coach uh, <laughs> i didn't know tcu was going to keep winning so i guess we've got to talk about how cool we are with, with sonny dykes and like that'd be kind of cool with it Though he wasn't the person I expected to to come away with that Big Twelve championship, though Kansas State I think is going to have something to say mm-hmm. about that, possibly. Um, somebody like Munkin, pretty intriguing. Like it's it's not a hire I think that lights the fan base, uh, lights a flame under the fan base instantly based on name recognition. Um, Army is not having one of its better seasons at the moment, which doesn't deter me from from a coach in the same way it doesn't like change my opinion of say Matt Campbell all that much, but uh, it, it does make it a little bit tougher of a sell. And to go back to what we were talking about with Mickey Joseph, you know, the context is constantly changing. Um, and to what degree does that influence this decision? Probably not much, but you do have to at least, at least wonder about it. You know, the thing that Munkin brings is, you know, not the option offense necessarily. I guess if you wanted to, he could, and he'd have you know some supporters based on that alone. But kind of the option mindset, I think, is is what he has to offer. Um, and you know, prior to to this year, he had really done really really well, in my opinion, at Army, uh, just kind of crafting a, a winning football program, given you know all of the limitations that you have at a place like that. Brandon, you mentioned the fact that Monkin's probably not a name that's going to set the fan base alight in terms of excitement. Is there even a, a guy out there that you think, you know, 75, 80% of the, the fan base will get behind based on name recognition alone? They won't have to be sold? Because that's what I'm struggling with here. I mean, Trev said he doesn't care about winning the press conference, but is there even a name out there, even if we're not talking about it, that could do that? 75 to 80% of the fans will just immediately, you know what, you hear the name and you go, that's it, that's the guy. No. I don't think there is because like, and I think like that'll be, you know, the, the week or two, maybe the month after the announcement reaction is like, Oh, it's Matt Campbell. Like what happened at Iowa state this year? Or, you know, even like somebody like Lance Leipold, you know, like, well, you know, great. He won. He got Kansas to bowl eligibility, but uh, that's an act of God. 
Yeah, only only one one division division title of Buffalo. Like it's easy to poke holes, I think, in in a lot of the names that we consider to to be on the the list for for Nebraska. There's just not that high. I mean, there's there's not a Scott Frost this time where it's like, okay, get you get that guy, everybody's instantly happy. Like that's not here for for this hire, and and that's not the case with most hires. It wasn't going to be the case in in 2015, whichever way I think Nebraska went, um, you know, probably wasn't the case in, in 2008, though there was a lot of support for, for Bo Pelini. Vogues, hmm. tell us about the IED preview, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, your pod. Yeah, get in a little deeper here to that that Wisconsin matchup. You know, I kind of talked about already. One of my keys to the game there is uh, Nebraska's got to find a way to not just let Wisconsin run the ball at them because that's what they want to do when it's 72 degrees with no wind. That's definitely what they want to do with what might be in Memorial Stadium on a, on Saturday morning. Um, so got to got to find a way to to address that. I've got two more keys to the game, some key players to watch. Uh, Rusty Dawkins does provide a weather forecast each week in that podcast, so you can get the latest from him on on what he sees in terms of Saturday. And and this does seem to be a game might be a factor. So break down the game the best way that I know how each week, um, and hopefully people like it and 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 get something from it. Well, Dawkins, we we've got to have a fireball. Uh, warning, uh, Saturday's going to be so cold you need three fireballs. Sounds sounds that way. Well, my, my, my weather report is, is very Ollie Williams from Family Guy. It's cold. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you, <laughs> all Ollie. you need. <laughs> thank you. Vogues, <laughs> enjoy, and uh, thanks for, uh, for propping the old product placement there behind your right shoulder with Dream Like a Champion. Uh, get it now for your uh, Nebraska fan this holiday season. We'll uh, talk Saturday. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks a lot. There he is, Brandon Vogel on Hale. He didn't want to go grab that from his bookshelf and prop it up there. I loved watching him grin about that. That was kind of funny. So check the video out. StreamYard is where we're uh, broadcast on over the video side of things. Uh, ESPN, Lincoln, Facebook, and Twitter. And can also interact with us that way. Some comments from Jeff and Brennan and uh, about uh, Mickey and, and the coaching search. Do we have time to, to hear from Feldman? Yes. Feldman, uh, Bruce Feldman, athletic senior writer, longtime college football insider. He is uh, one of the, the national names putting out uh, coaching suggestions. What's the wind blowing? Which way is it blowing on X, Y, and Z for said program? Uh, Pete Thamel from ESPN uh, was with Feinbaum yesterday and was like, you know, I don't think uh, Rule in Nebraska will be a thing. Uh, Rule in TV sounds pretty good. Here's what Feldman said to Jim Rome earlier. I think he would love to do it as soon as possible because the early signing period is coming fast. You know, I heard that there was a lot of interest in Matt Rule. The question says he really want to be back. You know, jump in for this job, which is a, a heavy lift. You know, unless he did an amazing job at, at you know fixing Baylor when it was in disarray. I think uh, you know Jeff Munkin at, at Army is a guy he's got some connections to. Bill O'Brien is another guy he's got some connections to. I'm interested to see what direction you know Matt Rule wants to be. Does he want to sit it out for the year and do TV? I mean, we'll see. I think that's 
you know, that's a tricky job right now. Scott Frost looked on paper to be really good, and it was disastrous. So that's a tough job right now. Bruce Feldman on the Nebraska gig, O'Brien, Munkin, and Rule trying to decide. But I think, uh, to paraphrase, I don't have any inside information. Nobody knows. It is on lockdown. We'll wind down Hour 1. Hail Varsity continues, presented by Currency. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Well, a day from today, we will be at the Single Barrel Roadshow Friday, 4 to 6, inside the Graduate Den of the Haymarket in Lincoln. Want to see you down there. It's warm, it's cozy. Over 250 whiskeys to choose from, plenty of beer, but uh, the steak selection, the burgers, uh, second to none. And uh, we invite you down there tomorrow, 4 to 6, getting ready in Nebraska, Wisconsin. And then Saturday, their breakfast starts at 7, and uh, we'll be on 7 to 9 pregame. And then Real Red Reaction follows following Nebraska, Wisconsin. So uh, hanging out at the Single Barrel Friday and uh, pre and post Saturday. So I am going to probably try and crush a side of beef tomorrow night. Uh, That's my thought. Uh, well, that, that could be our stake in a beer bet for, uh-huh. for well, a little I, bit well, later. Well, I'm just angling in an hour from now. Who, who's paying for this side of beef? <laughs> <laughs> Where's Elijah? Oh, he's washing dishes. <laughs> <laughs> he took the points. <laughs> he took the points. He took the points. Uh, let's tell you about uh, Red Zone tickets selling fun since 2001. Uh, you have t- tickets you want to buy or sell, NFL action, Husker football, Husker volleyball, Creighton hoops, or the College World Series concert and theater seats. It's all available when you log on redzonetickets.com. They are Omaha proud and an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating that is earned through incredible customer service, your local source that's reliable, and a 100% guarantee on all orders, you'll receive authentic tickets and those experiences that you'll remember forever. So cross that item off your bucket list. Create the memories that do last a lifetime with Red Zone Tickets. Log on today, redzonetickets.com. Jeff wonders if the cold football will hurt Casey's hand. Uh, the thing that's really good uh, from Mickey, you want to talk about getting your team prepared Elijah, it, it sounds simple, but when you have an indoor facility, it's real easy to use the indoor facility and just practice inside when it's really cold and windy. Nebraska's been in the stadium the last two days practicing, uh, getting ready for, for Saturday's conditions. Yeah, Throw those footballs in a freezer before you go practice with and throw yeah. them in an ice bucket. I've seen some, some coaches with some crazy techniques to get guys ready for like Especially NFL level, like you don't oh, want it a to snow surprise you, up, right? Where like they're, they're pulling footballs out of ice buckets with water, so they're sopping wet and also freezing cold, and going, "All right, no towel here. Figure it out. You're going to play with this football and see what happens." Well, it, it's uh, simple enough, but what, it, if, what if they're just in the indoor facility and they're just really cranking the AC? They're just <laughs> taking that thing down to forty degrees in there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 AC better be twenty five mile per hour side wind. Maybe some fans in or something, too. I'm sure you can emulate it indoors. Oh, sure. Right. Uh, the, the fake hurricane center. Like you're getting uh, ready for zero gravity for NASA, right? You have that uh, set up going. Uh, wow. Uh, so, 
Listen, uh, we will get the latest and the loadout on Nebraska-Wisconsin and what does our, our dear friend and favorite Viking and Bill and Panther and Charger, Jeremiah Searles, think Searles coming up in about 10 minutes. Gary Barnett, he'll weigh in on Lance Leipold. And, you know, what are the chances of, of Lance L. finding his way out of Lawrence, either to Lincoln or Madtown? And... Uh, the weekend picks with Danny Burke. Hey, Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. We welcome in Oscar and NFLer Jeremiah Searles. He is not in camo today, but uh, he is in that Oscar den at Searles71 underscore HSKR. I've rubbed it in that you are not uh, with a firearm in a in a deer stand. You know, my deer season's been much like the Husker season. Started out a lot of hopeful and optimism, and now it's just pitiful in the middle and just death and dreary. So, you know, there's still a chance for a strong finish, though. There's still a chance. There's a stance for a strong finish, just like the Husker season. But right now, we're just we're in the pits of it. You know what, though? It, it would feel awesome for Nebraska fans to split, let alone sweep, and that's mm. a big ask. It's mm. all about Casey Thompson. 2012, Searles. 2012, that's how long it's been since Nebraska's beat Wisconsin. Mickey said that to Vokalek and the kids. What was it like? Give us story time. What was it like way, way back when, when Nebraska beat Wisconsin in the ugly uniform game? I love those uniforms, so first of all, watch your tongue. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> secondly, you know, there was something and the thing that the reason that game really sticks out to me is because I'll never forget their defensive end. I believe his last name was Gilbert. Number 11 had made the comment during the week that Taylor Martinez looks like he's out there skipping rocks when he's throwing a football. Right. And like, so everyone kind of got like fired up about that, about like him basically attacking our quarterback um, in a way. And I mean, not to say he wasn't necessarily wrong, but at the time, you got to stand up for your guy. And so I remember we got to go out there in the alternates, and Taylor ran all over them. Rex ran over them, and, and we just got to finally kind of get some payback on them for what they did to us in 2011 in Madison. Um, you know, And that kind of, for me, was kind of the start of the rivalry of they beat the crap out of us, we beat them, and then they went and clobbered us in the Big Ten Championship that year. Uh, you know, so for me, uh, you know, that was a very fond memory of the night game with the cool jerseys and the whole bit. Well, t- tell us quickly about the, the Big Ten championship game, Searles. I, I don't want to say what happened, what, but. What do you want? <laughs> what, what do you want? What do we always say? We got dog stomping. <laughs> we, 
We had 70 points hung on us. I can have a distinct memory. You want to go story time. I distinctly remember scoring a touchdown and coming off the sideline and we'd scored 35 points and I sit down on the bench and it's 35 to 63 as I stared up at the screen as Indianapolis on the little banners there going, well, I'll have enough beers in me by four o'clock to forget this whole thing ever happened. <laughs> so yeah, that was, uh, that was my fondest memory of the Big Ten Championship there. So yeah, not a fun time. Not something I like to relive. Thank you, Elijah. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, there we go. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, what is it about Wisconsin? Um, we talked with Coach Alvarez this week, and he just says, you know, the, the Nebraska blueprint is the Wisconsin blueprint, and uh, there's extra umph when Barry was around to, to try and beat Nebraska and they've been through some coaches as well. I mean, they've got an interim right now and coach Leonard's a really talented defensive mind. That's getting his shot and it's been up and down uh, for him because their offense is a bit of a mess. Their offensive line's not been great. And did, did it have extra juice or was it just another, Oh yeah, these guys hate us too. You know, it had a little bit of extra juice just because, you know, I think there was always the comparison between Nebraska of the old and what Minnesota or what, excuse me, what Wisconsin is now. Right. And I think the reason that Wisconsin's been able to have so much success with it is because they've never strayed from the blueprint. It didn't matter if it was Brett Bielma. It didn't matter if it was Paul Christ. It doesn't matter. Like they know who they are. They know what they're built to be. And they're going to square pay ground hole it, even if they don't have all the stuff they need to do. And they just stay with it. You know, and eventually it's going to get figured out and it's going to get hammered out. You know, and I think that's a culture thing for them up there is like they understand the recruiting base. They understand the athletes that they can get and they understand the guys that they can get, which is big six, eight, 350, 330 pound white offensive lineman from a 400, 400 mile radius of Wisconsin. And they're just going to pound the rock. You know, and I think if you look at Nebraska, we have strayed from that path because of so many different coaches, so many different philosophies. Like, we don't have just a blueprint of what we are. We've been trying to find that for the last decade. But, you know, you look at a program like Wisconsin who has been consistent with the run game, and then you look at Nebraska, it's just been totally inconsistent with our offense in general. And right there is where you can find the success versus the lack of success. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, when you look at what Wisconsin offensive lines are traditionally in this season – and you compare it to what Nebraska's had the past couple of seasons. What are the biggest differences you see in the offensive line play between Wisconsin and Nebraska? The physicality. You know, I think whenever you turn on an offensive line from Wisconsin, it is a physical downhill group. You know, I, very, I compare it a lot to Minnesota. You know, they just wear you out. You know, they may not be the most talented and have the guy that's going to go first round because he's a freak show and, you know, he's going to run a 4-8 and, you know, they're just all big, heavy grinders that just work their way vertically. You know, and it's double team after double team and eventually a defense that just wears on guys. Is that a mentality thing or is that a, a technique and coaching thing? Both. You know, it, it's both. You know, it's a mentality thing of like, listen, this is what we're doing here. So figure it out. And then also this is how we're going to do it. You know, so it's a mentality of like, yeah, you know, we're not changing. So the mentality is like you figure out how to do this or you won't play because someone else will. You know, and so it's a technique thing where they have mastered the the art of the power. I mean, you it used to be Stanford, right? It always used to be Stanford used to be that downhill, like eight offensive linemen, just great looking football. And then now it's Wisconsin is the downhill guys that know that they're that you know what they're going to do. And now it's just a matter of can you stop it? 
Searles, let's get into Saturday a little bit. ESPN, 11 o'clock. And, uh, you know, pride is what you're fighting for. And Mickey's done a good job of keeping guys engaged and pumped up. And it, it's a new week to try and go 1-0. and What are some things that stick out to you about the, the matchup? Where are there some mismatches? Where's some vulnerability uh, with Wisconsin, with this Wisconsin team? Yeah, you know, I think first of all is we got to talk about how it's senior day. You know, I think the fact that it's senior day is there's always a little extra oomph in that because as a young player, you want to send your seniors out the right way. Um, and as a senior, as an older guy, like it's your last chance to play in front of 90,000 faithful, you know, so there, there's always a little extra juice there. Um, for senior day and for guys coming out there for the last time. Um, you know, but I look at the matchup here at Wisconsin and, you know, I kind of have to give the nod almost across the board besides probably the receiver position uh, to Wisconsin. You know, I think that the receiver position for Wisconsin is a little thin, but that's okay because that's a very much B option um, for them because they're super good at winning on first and second down. You know, I think guys like Ty Robinson and, Garrett Nelson and those guys have to play their best game. The issue with that is you can't ask them to play 70 snaps against that offensive line and be efficient and be productive. You know, we have to have some big guys step up and come in and, and have meaningful minutes on the defensive line because Wisconsin's going to try and have 35 to 37 minutes of possession. You know, that's what they want to do. They only want to run maybe 60 plays, but they want to do it over the course of 40 minutes. Searles with Nebraska and the smoke that's, been around this week. Uh, we'll get to the coaching part in a moment, but does Nebraska have a shot with their quarterback situation? Can they figure out enough uh, offensively against a really good defense, but flipping it around, Wisconsin's offense has been a liability, and Nebraska's defense has played well enough to win uh, most games aside from Purdue. Yeah, you know, I think Casey Thompson's going to be the key here. Like, wh what percentage is he, right? Like, how much can we rely on him to stand back there and throw the ball and deliver it? I mean, you look at some of the plays against Minnesota and you look at some of the plays against Illinois, specifically, not as much Michigan. You know, but I think if Casey plays and finishes those games, there's a good chance we win some of those. You know, I think that there's certain plays that stand out. It's like, man, Casey probably makes that throw, and that's probably a touchdown. You know, um, so if you've got Casey Thompson in there, I think you give yourself a chance with this offense with guys like Trey Palmer and Anthony Grant, Marcus Washington, who is very productive. Um, but the big thing is I don't necessarily think the explosive play is going to be the key here. It's going to be sustaining drives. It's going to be staying on the field. It's going to be converting third and threes. It's going to be not living in third and 13s, you know, because we can't score. We can score points in a hurry, but the thing we can't do and we haven't done all year is sustain drives, which is why our defense has played well enough for us to win initially. But then towards the end, they fade just because they're out of gas because of the amount of snaps they've had to play. That's just a reality. It's not mm -hmm. a conditioning thing. It no. is an accumulation of three quarters, correct? Correct. It's an accumulation of three quarters. It's an accumulation of nine weeks. You know, it's not just like, oh, it's just this three quarters like they've played. If you look at the total snap count, I promise you our defensive snap count is far above our offensive snap count. And you talk about a defense that's already lacking in depth. That means your starters have played way more than they should. That means you're like your D linemen are not fresh. They're not coming into the game at 90 to 100 percent. They might be coming into the game at 85 percent. By the end of the game, they're playing at 65 percent. You know, it's just it's not a conditioning thing. It's a football thing. It happens in the NFL. It happens in college. It happens at every level. So I want to get your take on the offensive line. 
because my non-expert eyes, I've seen, I think, what would be marginal improvement from the offensive line. You've said before that the hallmark of a good offensive line is consistency, and they still haven't reached consistency. But whenever I look back at, say, the Michigan game and the, the Minnesota game, there's been some lapses. But for the most part, I feel like I've seen an offensive line that is marginally better at doing things the right way. Have you seen the same thing? You know, at times, yes. Um, the hard thing for me is, you know, when it's kind of nut-cutting time is when you seem to have the breakdowns. You know, when it's a got to have it or it's a third and long and it's a blitz protection that you're going to have to scheme up and not just physically like there always seems to be kind of that lapse. So overall, yeah, you've seen some better things. But again, you just can't have those blunders where it's a a no hitter from one of your tackles and he's guys coming around scot free off the edge or we're letting a blitz protector go or the running back and the line aren't on the same page. Like those are the things that are starting to drive me insane. But from a physicality standpoint, like I am seeing guys run off the ball better. I'm seeing guys use their hands better. It's just the mental stuff and the lapses are are killing us at times. Searles, the Nebraska coaching job, you've watched it up close. You lived it. What is your worldview uh, on on the Nebraska job? You've heard Rule. Uh, I think he's a really talented coach. I like Leipold. I like the options. I like the idea of Mickey. So I think there are some some choices out there, but what's, um, what's your take former player and NFL guy uh, on luring the next, be it Mickey or somebody else? You know, and I'll say this, I love Mickey Joseph. I think he's done a fantastic job. I don't think he's ready to be the next head coach in Nebraska. And that is just strictly based off of not him, but where the state of the program is. You know, I think that you look at what our program has been for the last decade. We're talking about we haven't beat a team that's considered to be one of our rivals who we came into the conference with as a competing for conference championships. Haven't beat them in a decade in Wisconsin. You know, we need to bring someone that brings consistency. We need to bring someone in that knows how to win in the Big Ten and is a proven winner overall. You know, Mickey Joseph's never had that opportunity, and that's unfortunate for him. But I don't know if we want to be his test dummy. Does Nebraska really want to sell, hey, you, we're, we're, we're in this with you until the bitter end type of thing where it's like that could end poorly for both sides. For, you know, versus keeping Mickey on staff, which I think is extremely important, but bringing in a proven coach that's got a proven winning record, winning record in college. And everyone's going to say this, and I'm saying too, you know, Matt Roll just got fired for being a loser in the NFL. You know what? The NFL is a totally different beast. You, it is apples and oranges. Comparing NFL coaches to college coaches is borderline. You just can't even do it because they're so different. They are different and say rule wants too much money or wants Carolina money. And Trev is maybe having to talk a guy into it. Do you think it's a tough sell for Nebraska? I mean, 10 years ago, no. Yeah, no, I think uh, it is. I but think now it is, right? Yeah, I think it's a tough sell because you look at what the program is and you look at, okay, what are the expectations? Right. Like, and that's something that Trev can say, you know, we're going to give you a chance to rebuild and we're going to give you a chance to do your thing. Well, is that six years? Is that three years? Is that five years? You know, what are my expectations as a coach for when I come in here? And also, like, looking at this roster, you know, where are my young superstars? Where are my young guys that are going to be my building blocks of this? Where versus, like, you look at the guys that are playing and contributors, they're old guys. They're guys that are gone either this year or probably next year. You know, so you got to look at the roster from top to bottom. Be like, man, I don't have a lot to work with here. If I'm just going to have to go out and recruit right away and recruit superstars and play them right away, we're not going to win football games. It's very simple. 
you know, so there's, it's not a super alluring job. Now the money obviously, and the facilities and the foundation and all that is, you know, but at the end of the day, you win games on the backs of players, not on facilities. NFL, your emotions, where were you for the bills Vikings mm. finishing? Uh, do you feel like you won or you lost? I don't know. I feel a little bit of both. You know, I, I love that game. It was so much fun. That sequence of events in the fourth quarter was just absolutely insanity. You know, First of all, Justin Jefferson, um, I'm sure there's Jehovah Witnesses walking around Minnesota going, do you have a minute to talk about our Lord and Savior, Justin Jefferson? Because he <laughs> something special up there. Um, you know, he's nearing Megatron status in my mind. Um, you know, on the Bills side, talk about utter defeat and utter disappointment from winning the game on the goal line to just completely botching a snap. I mean, just wild times. But, you know, I love that game. I thought it was a great game. And kudos to the Vikings, man. Number one team in the NFL. Are, are they for real? Are the Vikings for real? This was my one of the, you know, if how they do against Cowboys this week will be very telling because you could tell they geared up for that one like it was their Super Bowl. Now, what comes up must come down. Ask the Philadelphia Eagles against the Washington Commanders. It's hard to win every game, you know, and they're on a hot streak. So this week will be very telling of how they handle winning and how they can feel like if they can win this one, they are for real, for real. Jeremiah Searles with his Husker and NFL are at Searles 71 underscore HSKR, Nebraska, Wisconsin week. Searles, best you and your fam. And if we don't talk, have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for a few minutes. Absolutely, guys. Go Big Red. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency Hall of Fame coach Gary Barnett with us. He's about to go see Husky Stadium. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. Nice and warm down here in Arizona. So we <laughs> got a little uh, tea time later today. So, uh, you know, it's going to be good. I bet you're a happy man. Good for you and that warmth that is... Uh, well, it's November football weather in the Big Ten. You know it well. Uh, Nebraska, Wisconsin this weekend. Coach, I, I want to dive in. It is silly season, so there's a new name or rumor uh, with uh, coaching searches. You're going through one in Boulder. We're going through one in Lincoln again. And you've been part of searches. You've been uh, someone that's been reached out to, and I know it's different for different spots, but if someone were to reach out to you about Nebraska, you know, what, what are your observations? What do you think of the program right now as it sits? And I know Trev last night said that he's pleased with where things are at. Yeah, and I, and I read an article uh, this morning uh, on him on what he was using as the selling point, and I think I would agree with it. I think the fan base is probably uh, as big a selling point as anything else right now, or as more so than anything else. Um, you know, I think the fact that, that you don't compete with another NFL team for the mm-hmm. entertainment dollar, but you also you don't compete for them for interest and for passion. So 
uh, I think that's all good. And when, whenever you have a passion fan base, then you probably have the resources you need. And mm-hmm. heavens knows everybody, everybody knows Nebraska's got the resources and if they don't have them, they'll get them. It's, it's just a matter of getting all the right pieces together and the right guy running it. And, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, they, they've got everything going for them right now. I mean, there's, there's, 25 teams, 24 teams out there who have, no, 26 that have everything going for them, and they're in the Big Ten and the SEC. So, um, you know, what's not to like about going to Nebraska? Uh, you know, I think the the downside that has to be fixed and is very fixable is that the recruiting base has sort of changed mm-hmm. or disappeared, depends on how you look at it. And, but that's depending on who comes in and how they feel about that. You know, that, that can all change. So, uh, you know, I I think if you look out there and all the jobs that are open, I don't I don't know why you wouldn't put Nebraska at one, two, or three in there. So I'm going to ask you about two names as as you've viewed them, and uh, I, I guess if you're comfortable, who would you hire uh, given the choice? Uh, Mickey's kind of third in the race just from an experience standpoint, but that's not a knock on his leadership and how how. Just incredible he's been through this. And they could still finish with two more wins, Coach. So there's Mickey off to the side as the interim. But, yeah, Lance Leipold down south that that's, folks are more keen on, and I think he's incredible. And then Matt Rule's been the name this week. What do you like about Lance? What do you like about Matt? Well, I what I like about Matt is he has done it at the highest level uh, in really hard places. And... Um, you know he's he's got his NFL taste out of his mouth now. Uh, he's not going to be lured away by that. Um, so I think that's that's appealing about Matt. He's you know he's probably going to be able to put a staff together pretty soon. What I like about Lance is that the way he's done it. And when you look around at who's hot right now and who's really doing good jobs, they're guys that have climbed through the through the Dakota system, through the Whitewater systems, through the North Dakota, South Dakotas, Fresno states of the world, and uh, they bring a whole staff with them. There's no uh, trying to get the right guys together. You know you've got the right guys. You're not going to miss a beat in communications. They're going to bring a system in. Everybody knows it. There's no getting used to it. There's actually there's no downtime. Um, you know, Lance has spent now – two years in, in uh, uh, you know, Power 5 football recruiting. So he doesn't have an adjustment there. Uh, Matt's been out of that without the portal and without the NIL. Lance has right in the middle of it. So to me, that's that's the logical hire. Yeah, Lance, Lance Leipold's who a lot of us like. But Wisconsin's also home to him. And you've got Jim Leonard right now. You had Jim Leonard as your interim that they'd like to give the job to, but do you do you pass up on Leipold to to keep Leonard? Uh, answer me that. I, I I have no idea, Chris. That's uh, you know, Wisconsin folks like Nebraska folks all have a, a different outlook on things, and so I, I don't know what they're thinking up there, what they would be thinking. Um, I don't think money comes down to it like most people think money is important. I think if Lance Leipold wants to return to Wisconsin, 
he, he would go for less money than he would for Nebraska. Um, if he wants to be at Nebraska, then he'll go for Nebraska no matter how much money you're going to make. Mm. For the most part, money doesn't mean as much to coaches as it as it does to a lot as people think it does, or as many people would think it is to them. So um, I don't think that's an issue. Uh, I would doubt it, um, but you know, who, who's to say? And it just depends on what Wisconsin wants to do. But it'd be hard not to go home, I would think, for Lance. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Coach, uh, let's talk Nebraska-Wisconsin, this matchup, this showdown, and just speak, if you can, to just navigating the month of November in the Big Ten. You know how hard it is. Yeah, well, you start gearing up for that in spring. You start talking about it in spring. You, you, it's the first thing you talk about when you start fall camp is you're getting ready for the games in November because they're the ones that count. And, you know, you, you, you start building an image of what it looks like, what it feels like, what, uh, what it's going to be like, and how important those games are. And if you've come to the Big Ten, you know that. Everybody knows that. Everybody does the same thing if you recruit the Big Ten. Hey, you, you better be tough in November. So this is a, a, a classic example. It's November, middle of November, late November. You got two teams that should be used to playing, uh, ready to play in this weather. Maybe not used to it. I don't know if you ever get used to it, but <laughs> ready to play in this weather. And you got two teams that are really very similar. You know, I think uh, probably Wisconsin plays a little better defense. Uh, you know, at 307 yards allowed per game, that's pretty doggone good. You know, and and so. Uh, Nebraska, not quite so much. They're giving up a lot of yards. So, um, but in games like this, defense travels. Defense is uh, is usually what controls these games. Defense and run attack, and uh, the kind of momentum that you bring in. And with Wisconsin only allowing 108 yards a game rushing, and um, one three of its that last five games. Um, you know, you, you got to give the momentum to, to Wisconsin, and as did the bookies with 13-point favorites. But, uh, you know, I don't know if it'll be that close, but it might be. I mean, I don't know if it'll be that big a margin, but it might be. But I do think defense travels in November, and that's what you have to look at. Well, Nebraska fans will feel a lot better with Casey Thompson if he gets uh, gets the go, and uh, and sounds like he will. The line dropped down to 10 and a half. Uh, from 13 and a half, so that that probably looks good for Nebraska and Casey. Can they protect him? Uh, coach, some other games. Illinois uh, has had a great season. Illinois has dropped two in a row, uh, and now they get to go to the big house. Michigan really impressed me last weekend. Nebraska just didn't have any answers. Minus 18. Let's get into some of our picks, Coach Barnett. And is that too many points, or do you think this thing's uh, low scoring? How do you see Michigan-Illinois? Well, I think I see it low scoring. Uh, when I say low scoring, keeping Michigan in the in the 20s, mm-hmm. I don't know that, um, you, you know, and I've, I, I, Michigan is the one team I have not seen play an mm-hmm. entire game. Okay. And so all I, can, all I go by is numbers and reports and, friends who, who watch them or are Michigan guys. And so, uh, and all the sports radio guys are talking about Corum for being a Heisman candidate going to New York and he must be playing the great. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't give Illinois much of a chance in this game, 
Uh, I think maybe Michigan is playing as well as anybody mm-hmm. in the country right now, and I just don't see them dropping off here. Defense travels, and Illinois mm-hmm. might be able to stay with them, but without their running back, I don't know that they have a, a really good chance in this game. TCU is at Baylor, and TCU just keeps on keeping on. <laughs> but Baylor uh, is uh, getting points at home, minus two and a half. Does TCU keep doing it, Coach? Yep. Yep, TCU does. They've got it going. they got momentum. they got confidence. They get in the fourth quarter and they're down. It doesn't make any difference. They've been there. They've done that. They've got good players. They've stayed healthy. Um, you got to have some of that going for you. And so, um, yeah, I think TCU. I don't. I, I think TCU wins by ten points in this game. Okay. Especially after Baylor got got their butt handed to them last week <laughs> by Kansas State. They got rocked, didn't they? Thirty-one to. Th- I mean, that was just that was just a straight up beatdown. Yep. So uh, a lot of Pac-12 and and UCLA stumbled to Arizona. Oregon uh, also lost uh, kind of a look-ahead situation, so not as rosy as it could have been for the Pac-12 in a playoff. But do you like SC or UCLA? Right now the line, I think it is minus two-and-a-half USC's favorite. Uh, You know, I think UCLA is a little better football team. Mm -hmm. They they don't have the stars. They don't have – you know, the quarterback, they have a quarterback that's really good, a six-year starter, five-year starter, whatever he is. And you can run the ball on SC. Their guys are more about getting sacks than they are stopping the run. I I, I like UCLA in this game. Mm -hmm. What about Oregon, Utah? Utes are really tough. Oregon's trying to to shake off a a misstep last weekend. You know, I, I don't think Oregon's defense is good enough. Mm. And I think Utah is one physical team. Now, we're going to have good weather out here on the coast, so that that's not going to be an issue. But, but Utah is one physical football team. And if Rising is playing and he's healthy, they're hard to beat. So I, I think Utah might win this game. Well, minus two and a half, Utah is uh, you're getting Oregon in points at home. Gary Barnett with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. As uh, coach, uh, enjoy your trip out to the uh, Emerald City, and uh, we'll uh, catch up with you here uh, next week. All right, Chris, great being with you. Good stuff from Coach Barnett, and uh, thoughts on Lance Leipold. Reminder to get buckled up, hands on the wheel, eyes and mind straight ahead. The driver has one job to drive. And be sure to buckle up a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Beeson's Daddy Burke, best bets on the way. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, time for Best Bets, Danny Burke, Vison Sports Network at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Danny, it's Nebraska, it's Wisconsin, it's been on Nebraska's whiteboard all week, 2012. And uh, that fateful night, September 29th, Nebraska came from behind and won outright. Good news today with Casey Thompson and Mickey Joseph. The line's now down to 10 and a half. What are you feeling? 
So this was all riding on whether or not Casey Thompson was going to be playing, if I personally was going to be playing this game. And I honestly don't know. Well, actually, I think I was going to say, I'm not sure how many Nebraska bets I've won versus lost. I'm probably like 2-2 two and two this year. But it just always feels uh, not like the surest thing when you're betting the Huskers. But I do like their side this weekend, gentlemen. I mean, look, again, it was all riding on if Casey Thompson was going to be playing or not. Because if he's not playing, then Nebraska virtually has no offense whatsoever. There is no viable backup option. And I don't know if that's a lack of preparation, lack of talent, whatever you want to call it. They need Casey Thompson in the mix to compete with any team. And you guys know my thoughts of Wisconsin heading into this season. I already cashed in my under nine wins when we were at, like, I don't know, whatever, before the midway part. And I know they've been looking better, and I get that their ground attack is very strong, and that is how they are going to expose Nebraska and probably end up winning. But because of what Casey Thompson brings to the table, and it's cliches, it seems, but you know, putting that material up on the whiteboard, I do think Nebraska gets up to this one or for this one a little bit more so than they have in the past several games. And there's nothing really to play for as much at this point, right? I mean, the Big Ten West is out of their hands, and, you know, some things are in shambles left and right. But, again, A.C. Thompson being back and playing for at least the narrative of not getting exposed and embarrassed by this Badgers team like you've done so often since 2012 is a big reason I at least like Nebraska to cover the double-digit mark. So I took him plus 11. I would take him plus 10.5. At 10, maybe wait in-game or, or something else because I'm sure you'll get a better in-game number if Wisconsin gets up to an early lead. You just got to hope that Nebraska can limit the explosive plays on the ground and breaking through and making Nebraska's defense look like Swiss cheese. And Casey Thompson, you got to prevent the turnovers. And for the love of all things holy, get the kids some protection. <laughs> I know it's a lot of things, but, you know, if they can actually play a clean game, I think it will be within the number. Danny, if, if you take the bias out of the, the factor altogether, I mean, I'm looking at this line moving from as high as 13, now down to 10.5 or, or 10 in even some places. At what point do you start looking at some buyback for Wisconsin? Honestly, and again, this is just my interpretation of this team from before the year and up to now, the only way I would have intended to look at Wisconsin would be if they were under 7. I just don't think this is a team that I would – blindly bet as a double-digit favorite or needing to win by double digits against any team on the road. And I get that Nebraska maybe has an asterisk because they look so bad and they find a way to lose games like this in impressive fashion. But, I mean, come on, there's still guys there who don't want to get embarrassed week after week and are fighting for draft position and fighting for Mickey Joseph and knowing they got their starter back. There should be a little bit of boost around this team. So, uh, that would be the only way I would consider looking toward Wisconsin would be if they were under the key number of seven because I still have so many reservations about their quarterback in Grand Merth. I mean, this dude is not that good. He got two interim coaches who have a lot to prove. Why can't Nebraska hang in this one and keep it with the double digits? It'd be a shame if they can't, and I know they haven't before, but my goodness, it'd be a real indictment if he gets blown out by this Wisconsin team at home with their starting quarterback back. Danny Burke with his Vizen Sports Network. Real quick in college, Baylor uh, started out ranked in the top ten. They have uh, scuffled to six and four. In comes TCU. They've already got a spot in the Big Twelve title game. Uh, that said, their eyes are a little bit bigger with the college football playoff still in it for. They've had a great strength of schedule, Danny. They just find a way to win their favorite on the road against a rival. 
That's the thing, Schmitty. I mean, they do just keep finding a way to win, and you could say they're carrying around a lucky horseshoe or whatever, but, man, if you've been betting on them these last few games, you're cashing in, and I'm strongly considering doing it here, and maybe I end up late to the party, and maybe I'm, you know, the one time I do it is the bet that they end up losing, and they got a huge target on their back, but what has Baylor done that's been that impressive? I mean, they just got stopped out by Kansas State 31-3, to you barely beat a weakened Oklahoma team. And before that, yeah, you beat Texas Tech. You beat a banged-up Kansas team. You lost to West Virginia. I, I'm just not sold on Baylor as much as I was at the beginning of the year. And their strong suit was supposed to be their defense. Well, guess what? TCU and Baylor are both allowing 25 points per game. Here's the difference. TCU's averaging six more points offensively. And I get that it goes a lot more deeper into just the raw, obvious stats. But under the key number of three with TCU – how would you not be tempted to look their direction? They know that everybody's got a target on their back. They know they have to win out in order to stay in the college football playoff. There's no mistakes to be had for this Horn Frogs team. And yet people, despite the success they have had, keep knocking them down and dissing them and thinking this is a the time they're finally going to lose. They shouldn't be this big of a favorite. I would probably make them about a three-and-a-half-point favorite. So I don't know if it's the obvious public opinion to want to lay two in the hook with TCU. That's also what scares me. But, man, I just feel like after this game we'll be looking back, Schmitty, and going, you know what, we could have had a cheap in price with this Horn Frogs team, and we're just so stubborn about their success that I stayed away from it. So I don't know what you guys are thinking, but that's how I'm leaning in this one. Danny Burks with us here, Burks Best Bets. And, Danny, it's time for us to move to NFL action on Sunday. Let's start this off with what everyone is circling as the game of the day on Sunday. That's obviously the Denver Broncos hosting the <laughs> Oakland Raiders. <laughs> you, just you. Country, let's ride, baby. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, no, I, you know, Elijah, as much grief as we've been giving you all year, I am actually going with your Broncos in this game. And that is a testament to how terrible Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr have been with the Las Vegas Raiders. Look, the Raiders won the first matchup, we know. That was in Las Vegas. 32-23 to was the final. But what also was funny, I mean, just, again, more of an indictment of how Denver's been doing. Like, Russell Wilson had his best passer rating of the season in that game at 125. He went 17-25 for 237 and two touchdowns. Las Vegas ranks 32nd, dead last in DVOA defense. They're dead last against the pass. Opponents are getting six yards per play against them consistently, which is 30th. And opponents, upon entering the red zone, are scoring a touchdown over 71% of the time, which is also dead last. Now your Broncos, Elijah, they rank fourth in DVOA defense, third against the pass, 20th against the run. That's the weak spot, and that's why Jacobs ran for a buck 44 and two touchdowns. But you know they're kind of one-dimensional. You just got to force, and, and when they're passing, like you got to force Derek Hart to make the mistakes, like he's done in virtually every game. And if you're playing ahead, Derek Hart has no ounce of the clutch gene in him. Denver's defense that is limiting opponents to 4.6 yards per play, which is first, that is limiting opponents to eight yards per completion, which is also first, should be able to wreak havoc enough on this weekend Raiders team to depleted Derek Carr and win this game. And by the way, what they're also first in, limiting opponents to scoring a touchdown in the red zone 28.6% of the time. I like that they lost the first time. I like that they still somehow have playoff chances. The Raiders have none. So I laid minus a buck 40 with Denver just because I think it could be kind of a gross game that some shenanigans happen. So I'll lay a little bit more, but I don't hate laying two in the hook under the key number of three either with your Broncos team. Danny Burke will wrap up the Best Bets weekend. 
Thursday night football to discuss. A stake and a beer bet right ahead with Hale Varsity. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Danny Burke, Vizen Sports Network. Danny, real quick, Cowboys, Vikings, minus one and a half, Dallas. God says what? Honestly, I could go either side here. Look, it's a buy-low spot on Dallas blowing that lead against Green Bay, and it's a sell-high spot on Minnesota who won in miraculous fashion when they shouldn't have. The safest play here is probably to tease up Minnesota. You get them catching plus one and a half, tease them up six points, get them over the key numbers at three and seven, and get Minnesota catching seven in the hook. Because all the close games this year, they're winning. All the games last year that were close, they lost. Well, let's just hope it's close regardless if they win or lose and keep it within that number of seven in the hook, and I think that's the safest play to make. Danny, while we got you here, we're about 60 seconds away from Schmidt and I making our stake in a beer bet for Thursday Night Football. So what do you like between the Packers and the Titans? Oh, baby. All right. Well, I'm curious what you guys got, but I kind of lean Green Bay. I didn't do anything with that. What I did was the first half total under 20 in the hook. This is going to be a run-heavy first half. The Titans are one-dimensional in that regard. Packers have a bad run defense. Matt LaFleur, ding, ding, ding. Finally, the light bulb went on that if you get the ball, if you're running back, who's averaging over five yards per carry, it works. So he's going to try to do that against the Titans, who coincidentally have the number one run defense. So it'll be a slower, methodical, lower-scoring game in cold conditions. I like first half under 20 and a half. And how about the mobility on AR-12, baby? I'm taking him over two and a half rush yards. High pressure rate out of Tennessee. A lot of times he's been scrambling to make something happen with limited weapons. I think Rodgers gets over two and a half rushing yards tonight. I love that. Give the, the lock of the week. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers goes plus three on a scramble. Daddy, have a great weekend. Thanks for the time. Hey, you got it, guys. Take care. Good stuff from Daddy Burke. Single Barrel Roadshow Friday tomorrow, four to six inside the graduate. Want to see you there. It is that time for Steak at a Beer Thursday. Elijah, what say you? Well, the question in my mind is, with Thursday night football, how it's gone the past couple weeks, it's going to be somewhat revolting. My question is, is it going to be more revolting than the first eight minutes of that Husker basketball game? I'm not sure if you're staying up to date. Yeah. Some of Both the teams, three for 16 I've yeah. ever seen yeah. in my life. Absolutely disgusting. I hope uh, there's some pickup in that game, and I hope that we don't get something that revolting in Thursday night football tonight. I'm with Danny. I'm leaning towards lower scoring, and I think when I'm looking lower scoring – my my head tells me you got to go with the team that's got the better running back. I think that's Derrick Henry. But I think the two-headed monster in Green Bay, I think they're starting to, to find their rhythm with Aaron Jones and with uh, A.J. Dillon. And then Christian Watson was starting to figure it out. Samari Toure is starting to carve out a role. My, my heart's telling me to go with the Packers. Fine. I, you have Tennessee that's 7-2 and two against the spread. Uh, I'll take their top run defense. And I'll take Tennessee's rushing attack against the 26th best rush defense. I'll gladly take Tennessee in three. Tennessee in three. I'll, I'll take Green Bay in. Green Bay to cover three. I, I can okay. do that. Yeah. I can do that. That was that was easier. I'm going to find the thickest, fattest New York strip. Oh, it better be a ribeye if you're going to do it. Do it right. I, I, I like strips, or I might even go fillet. But the steak and the beer is on hand tomorrow. At uh, single barrel four to six, 
I'll either be smiling or Elijah will be saying, yeah, I will take that. And he will point to one half of the menu. And then an entire bottle of whiskey. A uh, single barrel. <laughs> yeah. No bottle service tomorrow night, dude. Uh, Bill Dolman going to be on site with us. Uh, Brady Oltman's going to join us. Clausburn in the forecast tomorrow. Special guest uh, at 425. He is a, one of the top offensive tackles in the country. Uh, we will check in with Gage Ginther. He is uh, going to visit Nebraska this weekend. Talk to you at four, single barrel tomorrow with Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.